0: I have called the kids by the dogs' names now. Yep, there it is. Like, my brain only has so much space for names. (laughs) Welcome to Tencent Takes, the show where we glom onto gimmicks one issue at a time. My name is Mike Thompson, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, the glow-in-the-dark Glamazon herself, Jessica Frazier.
1: I'm so glamorous. I'm a glamorous Glamazon.
0: I mean, you're certainly more glamorous than I am.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Although, I did trim my hermit beard. It's not...
1: It's, I noticed that. And I got a haircut. It was a little... You, oh, you got a haircut. I oh did. my gosh.
0: I know. It's like, I... <laughs> yeah, you're I'm not you a real ne- human again yeah i don't look like a hermit living in the woods right now but it was bad it was getting to the point <laughs> that i could actually take a hair tie and pull my hair back because it had been two months and my hair grows really quick
1: we're just gonna get you one of those cute little man buns
0: i man i kind of had one for a while during the lockdowns again like my hair was about a foot long when i finally got a haircut Ooh. like i was having sarah shave my sides and so i just kind of had this like uber long mohawk it was weird
1: yes oh my gosh you should have elmer glued that thing up
0: man. Another life. I used to have a mohawk all the time. I used to do the mohawk and vest and bow tie. It was, a, it was a look. I liked it.
1: Very on brand.
0: Yeah. Well, if you are new to the show, our main episodes drop every other week and provide in-depth looks into interesting moments in comic books and how they tie into pop culture and history. But today is one of our Dollar Bin Discovery mini-episodes that we do in between those deep dives. Basically, we spend a lot of time rooting through dollar bins at local shops, looking for interesting stuff. And while a lot of the issues we do find are fun and weird, there may not be enough for us to do a full deep dive on, but that's just at the moment. We always reserve the right to come back and change our mind later. So each episode of these features both of us talking about one random comic or issue that we came across in the dollar bins based on a theme that we have come up with. And what we like to do is we discuss what the comic is, what goes on inside it, and why it's interesting. So essentially, these are mini episodes that are designed To provide you with some weekly content between our more in-depth discussions about the weirder and more interesting moments in comic book history. This week's theme was chosen by yours truly and is 90s Extreme with a capital X. So I have been very excited about this.
1: I'm shocked you didn't suggest this sooner.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is only part one. We're going to have multiple... You we're going to re- we're going to return to this topic multiple times I'm sure over the years.
1: Yeah, cuz Mike changed his cuz he already threw one together and then changed his mind and then wanted to do a different one.
0: <laughs> I mean, do you want me to talk about why I changed it?
1: Go go for it. Go for it.
0: So, <laughs> Jessica told me the comic that she found and she told me that there was a trading card included and I went son of a bitch because the comic that I had chosen <laughs> also had a trading card in a poly bag. And I was like, there's too much 90s extreme weirdness out there. We can do better than covering the same gimmick in one episode. So I totally at the last minute chose and wrote up a different comic.
1: We just keep grenades around here for one of us to fall onto every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> grenades of road making. <laughs>
0: Pretty much, man. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was tempted to just come back with the gold edition of Shadow Hawk Two, number two that I found, and just yes, and just talk about that fucking comic again. Except it's just got a gold <laughs> logo on the cover, and that's it. No. That's the only difference.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm shocked! I didn't find that one at the same time because I probably would have also bought that one for you, not realizing it was the same comic.
0: Yeah, that was a Harvey Doss find. That was really cool, actually. Nice. Yeah,
1: it's very cool. Well, I guess I'll get into mine. What do you think?
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: All right. Now I'm gonna be real, everyone. With this comic, the action is what matter, not the characters or the names. Okay. So we're just gonna <laughs> throw that out there now. I'm what back to... with a comic
0: <laughs> from the nineties? <90s>? Never. <laughs>
1: So I'm going to spend very little time on these people ask people because that's not how they're portrayed. Yeah, fair. So, and this is going to make more sense. I'm like holding this trading card with a death grip because it's fun to play with. But anyway, today I'm bringing us Stormwatch Zero. It was published August 1993, the good old 90s, by Image Comics. Brandon Choi and Jim Lee were co-creators and writers Brett Booth penciled part one, while Jeffrey Scott penciled part two. Mm-hmm. Sal Regla inked part one, while Alex Garner inked part two. Consistency is amazing in this book. Colors, which were consistent, were by Joe Chioto, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. Layouts by Jim Lee.
0: Yep, there he so, is.
1: There he is. So we start off immediately with introductions to the space station called Skywatch. We learn about the operative team Stormwatch by way of someone breaking onto the ship. So meanwhile, two of the Stormwatch operatives are caught up in a heated battle, which looks very real, but it's a training sequence between the two of them. Very toxic. The two are Toshiro Misawa, codename Fuji. I hate it. I hate everything about it. He calls everyone like like battalion son and like, oh, it's uh-huh. awful. Yeah. It's awful. Jackson King, aka Battalion. And in a different part of the ship, others are fighting off a man with a goatee, very mustache twirly looking dude, who's out to achieve some sort of mission. Alarms Blair and Fuji and Battalion go to deal with the hostile intruders. We find out that this man is looking specifically to beef with Battalion, who, by the way, is an absolute tank of a man. But this guy gets subdued because he's just a normal-looking dude. We then get a shower scene with Battalion, like full two pages of just Battalion in the shower. This was like not
0: uncommon back then. Like that was that was a (laughs) thing with these books. They loved. It was, I mean, like, it's the male gaze. It's the power fantasy because it was either anatomically impossible women wearing next to nothing. So you've got the sex fantasy, or it was dudes exposing themselves as much as possible as well when they were out of their costumes because, yeah.
1: Because he's massive and he's now fully presenting his 16,000 muscles, which, by the way, muscles that have been made up, muscles that don't exist on the human body.
0: That was something that I like I didn't grok when I was a kid was I didn't understand that like the musculature that these people were coming up with does not exist. Like not even with steroids.
1: That's what's yeah. so toxic is that it's like this is the body type that we're telling men that they should achieve. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So he finds that there is an intruder in his space, a woman named Christine Treline. Mm.
0: The
1: rhyming. It's the rhyming for me.
0: <laughs>
1: Who wants to talk to him about what happened with the intruder, but he pretty much tells her to stuff it and to just go read the report. She's really just there to like be there while he's naked. It's then revealed that he has like this psionic mask that makes it appear like he doesn't have the million scars that actually cover his body. Hmm. And then we get backstory on what led to Skywatch, the war guard, which I'm not going to get into. And then we get a training (laughs) montage about Battalion fighting for the lead role and the team getting their new psionic suits to use. However, the scientists given out the suits didn't get to tell Battalion all of the details about his suit because a team of people broke in with nefarious intent. So he uses the ray gun on his suit on a dude not realizing like the power of it because again the scientist was about to tell him all this shit and ends up basically making one of the guys on the team brain dead like he's not dead but he's damn wow. near close like okay. he's a vegetable at this point so they pull him out and get away and the brother of that guy vows to take revenge on battalion for his brother's livelihood mm-hmm. like, lack the you leo know, loss of livelihood then we get some setup for the next comic and it's shown that the storm basically becoming famous from their work yeah let's just name them let's see it's just so their names are backlash yep. flashpoint Nautica the only female who might as well not have been there for how little she was used she was mm-hmm. in like two scenes and she was basically there to like look graceful yeah that's mm-hmm. it
0: Your face. Your face.
1: I'm so mad about it. I just, I hate everything. That's all. (laughs) Nothing much. Just everything. So, you know, again, the one thing that you will like about this comic, again, it's pristine condition. Mm -hmm. Probably the first person to read it. There was this lovely Stormwatch trading card, which I have been. <laughs> I held it up to the camera when Mike was shuffling around. So it just had Battalion's face there instead of yeah. mine. Just just as a fun little surprise. It's great. <laughs> so, yeah, it shows the four people I mentioned. And, yeah, Nautica's got this weird thing that, like, looks like a nipple. It's weird. Yeah.
0: It's...
1: Why are you like this? Come on now. So, yeah. All in all, this was just mid, honestly so many muscles too many muscles yeah the art was extreme with an x (laughs) there were constantly spurts of blood and other gore just like basic things were happening and there'd be like i mean the spray of blood
0: (laughs) that was a big thing with image comics was you know they weren't they weren't beholden to the comics approval code like you know marvel was where a lot of the artists had come over from and so they were really trying to show that they were pushing the envelope
1: so funny
0: I mean, the other thing is that, so this would have been like the year after image formed, I think, or it was like that year. Oh. It was like right at the the beginning, you know, and they were doing this whole thing where it was like they had a shared superhero universe that they were trying to really kind of like, you know, establish and really kind of get everything spun up for. And so Stormwatch, I remember there was like Stormwatch and they were interacting I think with like the Wildcats and Youngblood, Backlash got his own series. There was also Wetworks.
1: There was an advertisement for Deathmade in the back.
0: Oh man. Yeah. Back cover,
1: well, Deathmate Black.
0: <laughs> which I mean they're the same studio working on it. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Had the same vibe.
0: I have the first five issues or so of Stormwatch, including the Gold Foil cover, and Oh. I haven't read them since I was a kid. But what's interesting is that Stormwatch became the comic series that gave us Midnighter and Apollo, which are the kind of the gay Superman-Batman couple that are now part oh. of the larger DC universe.
1: Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. It's,
0: it's yeah. really interesting.
1: Huh. Yeah. So. So, yeah. The shower scene felt super unnecessary. Like, why is this happening? What demographic are you going for? It was fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably not going to read through the first few of them that I have. I don't know that it really captured my interest. I also (laughs) wasn't the intended audience. I was going
0: to say, I don't think you're the target audience for this.
1: No, no. Yeah, ending thought, toxic masculinity harms everyone, especially men. Like, there is literally no way to have these bodies like we were saying. Like, there are muscles on here that don't exist in any way. And I would argue that toxic masculinity harms men just as much, if not more. Like emotionally and like mentally mm-hmm. than women. Yeah. So that's my closing thought. Wow.
0: Well, I mean, I'm a. Uh, I'm sorry that you had to read this because it doesn't. I've sound always very got a
1: soapbox, man. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> my soapbox is just like strap it to my back. Let's go. That's good. I have it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, what about you? Okay. What'd you bring?
0: So even before I had to like totally change everything up because my brain is broken and this is how it works this was the hardest choice that i've ever had to make for a dollar bin discovery like because as anyone who's listened to the show can tell you like 90s extreme trash is just like my jam it is my heroin just inject it into my veins
1: truly it is you should see like when mike finds 90s trash in the wild (sighs) his pupils dilate to like an extreme (laughs) level it's like it's You're like seeing wrong. someone fall in love every yeah. time.
0: It's it <laughs> I'm very in tune with my emotions, what can I say?
1: It's true. We love that. We do.
0: Yeah. And I used to have a cat, you know. So
1: <laughs> Look at no red flags here.
0: I know, right? <laughs> no, I got super excited and I had like six or seven comics to choose from. Like I I like read through a bunch of these cuz I was like I need to find like the most ridiculous. I almost went with X-Force Annual 2. Because it is the first appearance of Adam Xtreme with a capital X. But it comes polybagged with a trading card. So, hence I scrambled. So, before we talk about what I actually chose, these were the runners-up.
1: Well, here we go.
0: (laughs) So, Green Lantern 50, which came with a glow-in-the-dark cover and had a fantastic heel turn from Hal Jordan. I nixed it because it's suddenly become kind of a big spec book due to James Gunn's plans for the DC movie universe. Huh. So I feel like that might be something we want to talk about with Jake and Jesus at some point over at Spectales.
1: Okay. yeah. Which, by absolutely. the way, if you haven't
0: listened to Spectales, you absolutely should. It's great. They're it's lovely human beings.
1: Friends of the pod.
0: Yeah. yeah. After that, I checked out Evangeline 1, which is like this truly really garish chromium cover, but I passed on it because the comic itself was honestly really boring. Whoop. There was also Psyblade She the Battle of Independence. That one was actually a really great candidate. It wasn't bad. It features the first appearance of Witchblade, but it didn't have enough actual gimmick. You know, it didn't have anything like really out there. And there was also Superman 100, which features the death of Clark Kent. It's got some holofoil on the cover, but I didn't feel like it really fit the extreme vibe with a capital X. I was
1: just going to say there was no X there. Yeah.
0: And, you know, and also I know that you're not a big Superman fan, so.
1: <laughs> you know, I you know I say that like I don't have a bunch of Superman just like dollar yeah. things that I've picked up. But honestly, mostly I've picked them up because I was like, "What? Oh, what is going on on this mm-hmm. cover?" That's usually what I've picked up. That's so why I love I Superman have comics. Are Very suspect.
0: Yeah, there's a lot. There are <laughs> okay. a lot of wild comics. Um, yeah, I'm
1: like, does this one have a Native American on it? No, no, no. I'm gonna grab it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, especially. Especially the ones from like the 70s; those are where it gets really out there. So, yeah, you know, don't worry. Sometimes. We'll talk. We'll talk about those some other time. Oh, we will. Okay, so here is what I went with: Hellstorm, Prince of Lies, Number One. So I want you to look at this cover.
1: It's already so extreme sounding. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Oh my god.
0: It's very rot.
1: It's very rot. Oh my gosh. First and foremost, it's mostly sepia on, like, off-white, like, yellowish, butter-yellow background. And it says, Hellstorm and, like, <laughs> <laughs> Prince of Lies. <laughs> like, I, I'm saying it the way it's written, like, honestly. Oh, yeah. like It's very, like, it's all in red. Mm-hmm. It's got, like, shadow behind it, like, it's just, it is so fucking rot. The O has an upside down pentagram in it because of course it does.
0: Mm-hmm. Obviously
1: there is a demon looking dude. The Prince of lies. I would assume he's got a pentagram yeah. on him. He's very demonic looking. He's got 500 muscles. Yep. He has a fucking triton on fire. There is a sexy demon lady who she has very long eyelashes. Like she has eyelashes that look like they're antennae and then she is wearing just like nothing in the front basically. Which yeah. is Cool. And then it says there's hell to pay. And <laughs> then at the bottom, there's like this, I mean, there's other pictures of like people around. Yeah. And like, well, a like, skull, whatever. and like, then at the bottom, there's like very clearly like a summoning circle with like a pentagram in it and like <laughs> burning yeah. like a bunch of candles and shit. It's oh my God. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's intense.
0: Uh, yeah. So first things first, let's talk about the gimmick. So you noted that it was printed on like this kind of like off white with the sepia ink. That comic was printed with a wraparound parchment paper cover. What? And according to every comic source on the internet, it was printed with thermographic ink, which is the ink that reacts to heat and like changes color or fades. There it is. What's weird is that the first credited appearance of that ink being used on a cover is Bloodstrike one which has a cover date of april 1993 but this book also has a cover date of april 1993 and mike's amazing world of comics which is useful for figuring out when a comic like actually hit store shelves credits this book is hitting the newsstands earlier than blood strike so like i don't know it's weird like it gets a little dicey when you start going back that far because this is 30 years old now
1: who knew there would be drama in the thermal ink world
0: yeah i know right but like <laughs> I mean, it's funny, though, because literally, like, you know, you look at graded copies of this and it says it's printed in thermographic ink. Like, every online resource that talks about this stuff says it was printed with thermographic ink. The thermographic ink does not react to heat on this cover. I took a hairdryer yeah. to it and, like, there's no colors change or faded. I had a copy of Bloodstrike. I took a hairdryer to that. Immediate reaction. So, Oh. Yeah, I'm wondering if the parchment paper messed with the effect or something, but...
1: Ooh, okay. Yeah.
0: Anyway, there is a teaser summary on the back of the cover as well because it's a full wraparound, and so this is the teaser text. Born to royalty, born to ascend a corrupted throne of power, capital throne of power, Damon Hellstrom rebelled against that which was expected of him and sought to live his life as a man. He laminated in the vest... Hold on. Is that right?
1: Is it lamented?
0: Yeah, I think it's lamented. Is it... He yeah. could have
1: been laminating. I know. <laughs> he had like a, he had a cricket in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, he's a basic bitch. <laughs> <laughs> printing, printing up t-shirts for all the members of his MLM squad.
1: Oh, I was literally just going to say something about MLMs. <laughs> I was just going to say, he was like making t-shirts saying yeah. like, boss babe. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. What was I saying? He lamented the vestiges of dark power within... It. Oh, no. He eliminated. That's what it is. Okay. It just... It, oh, okay, it, it okay. Auto, it okay. <laughs> he eliminated the vestiges of dark power within him. He took a wife. He found gainly employ, and he lived happily ever after. Then the dream ended. It's, you know, it's... Dun, dun, dun. It's very stylish. I honestly kind of dug it because it's... I don't know. It's very attention-grabbing because it's also in that very sepia-tone ink. Yeah. On that parchment paper. It's a look. I dug it. Now, this issue was written by Raphael Nieves, penciled by Michael Bayer, lettered by Richard Starkings, colored by Janet Jackson. I'm assuming not Janet Jackson of Michael Jackson fame. (laughs) I'm assuming. I was,
1: did you see my face? I was like, (laughs) yeah. Ooh, Janet.
0: I think she was on tour when this came out. I vaguely remember she had a really popular song called If around that era.
1: Well, maybe she's just the multitasking yeah that like you know (laughs) good bitch in a good way
0: yeah and it was edited by our friend fabian nicieza
1: friend of the pod
0: yeah the comic opens with a man floating in kind of a hellish void he's screaming in pain and then an off-page speaker tells us quote he has returned and that he'll be left to gather his strength before the speaker's group will extend them some sort of ominous invitation if he accepts the invite, everything will be fine. But if he doesn't, the seas will turn red with his blood and the earth black with his charred soul. So, you know, not ominous. That's
1: dramatic. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then we get a full page splash where we see the guy is a, a pretty demonic version of Damon Hellstrom. You know, like, that's the whole thing is that Hellstrom has that upside down pentacle on his chest. He has been billed in the past as the son of Satan. Dan DG Chichester has talked about how much he loves this character the first time that we had him on our show. Yeah. So, yeah. And then we cut to six months later. We meet Dr. Avram Siegel, who is giving a talk to the New York chapter of Housewives for Decency, where he tells them about how the idea of Satan existing isn't as far-fetched these days, considering how Norse gods are now accepted as fact. Superheroes are commonplace. And he also mentions the reality of infants being sent from other planets to Earth with extraordinary powers. Side note, I love this whole Superman reference with Siegel's name and then the description. Just (laughs) chef's kiss. Pretty funny. Yeah, it's great. And then we cut to San Francisco where an unhoused man is singing to himself before a shadowy figure murders him, I think. it Basically, you see him just go, uh, and then there's like a blood spatter, and that's it. We cut back to New York where a man named Gabriel is performing a fake exorcism for like some money debutante. It's basically, it's kind of like new age spiritualism, and she's like, oh, I feel so much better, so I'll see you next month for my next exorcism, and he's like, (laughs) yeah, okay, whatever, and Basically, he's doing these for money. Like, he, right. uh, you know, like he's a, you know, a disenchanted priest. He, you know, he's left the church. And so he's just like making money to get by, cover his rent and his booze. And right after this, he receives a note telling him to beware the black school. So he goes to Siegel for info about the black school. Siegel tells him the details, basically, that the black school is like a cult or an underground college or some sort of infernal learning annex. Unclear. Like, it's... Sounds a
1: little racist.
0: Yeah, you know, it's... (laughs) hmm. We
1: don't like the black school. Ooh, whoa, don't you? Ooh, red flag.
0: I know, right? (laughs) But anyways, it's like some old school kind of like, you know, satanic group. Its founders included clergy, and graduates often go on to form their own satanic cults. And apparently there's a new black school in the U.S. based out of San Francisco, because of course, why... Why would they set up, you know, anywhere else? They just all <laughs> I love how it's like San Francisco, that's where the Satanists would be operating. It's like
1: Yeah, Sin City, San Francisco.
0: <laughs> like, motherfucker, I was living in San Francisco back in 93. It wasn't this cool. <laughs>
1: it's like these people went to the tenderloin once and they were like, let's write a comic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but they didn't go to Hunter's Point because that was too dangerous. They just wanted CD. (laughs) They They didn't want to get mugged. So clearly the black school didn't get him, but we do see at this point, the black school is about to sacrifice someone. I think it was actually the unhoused guy from before. It's not actually clear like who he is, but it's kind of implied. And then it's in a twist revealed that they're being led by Damon Hellstrom. Well, maybe we'll get to that in a minute because we see a different version of Hellstrom leaving this like palatial estate in San Francisco after his handyman tells him that he changed the sign to read Hellstorm instead of Hellstrom, this I, huh. I so I think this is like something that goes back to earlier appearances in the comics. Apparently, I had to, like I had to look up a lot of stuff in wikis for this. I guess he was operating as like a superhero for a while called Hellstorm, like when he was hanging oh. out with the West Coast Avengers. I don't know. Okay. Gabriel then arrives in San Francisco, and as he's like walking out of the airport, he runs into some priests. And then he notes that one of the priests shouldn't be wearing his collar anymore because he was excommunicated last year. So, like, very clearly, like, they're dropping the crumbs for, like, oh, these guys are also Satanists. Sure. Then we go to Damon. He runs into a woman named Seraphat Thames who has been looking for him throughout the issue. And she tells him that she needs his help stopping the black school. He refuses. And when she asks him why, he says to ask her husband. So then we get to the big action scene. We cut back to the black school as they're about to sacrifice another person. But Gabriel basically, you know, rips off his robe like, and, you know, no shirt on underneath. So we get to see, again, muscles that don't exist in real life.
1: There we are. There it yeah.
0: is. But Gabriel interrupts them. He tackles Damon Hellstrom as he's about to sacrifice the next person. Seraph Thames reveals that she was hiding in the crowd and is horrified to see Damon because it turns out he's her husband. Like, again, I feel like there's a lot of backstory that I'm not up to date on. But also, I want to know who's working the door to this fucking satanic temple. Because, right. like, they need to be fired. <laughs> like, who's, who's the bouncer? Everyone's just getting in. Yeah. They're all just slipping them $5 for the cover charge. It's fine. <laughs> Damon swats her aside and gets ready to kill Gabriel. And then he is confronted by the real Damon Hellstrom. It's like, Okay. The real Damon stabs the fake with his Hellfire Trident, and then his demonic father shows up who explains what's going on. It turns out the evil Damon is actually a demon who escaped hell. And then, I don't know, like, presumably Satan, because Damon is always known as the son of Satan. So Satan presumably wants him back. It's a little vague and a little confusing, to be honest. It
1: seems like they're trying to go for, like, a changeling vibe. Like, they're trying mm-hmm. to, like, <laughs> like switch him out. <laughs>
0: There's a whole talk about how they promised the fake Damon, the real Damon's name and power, but it's, it's weird. Also, it is very confusing trying to figure out which one is the real one and which one isn't because they're both in leather pants and one of them has like reddish leather pants and the other one has black leather pants. And I thought that the black leather pants was the good guy originally. And I was like, oh, so he got killed at the end of the, okay, no, apparently not. I had to reread it like twice. Uh. (laughs) So... The real Damon sends the demon back to hell. The cult scatters. Serapha basically swears revenge for the, quote, death of her husband, who she feels was good until Damon's father corrupted him. And then she leaves and Damon tells Gabriel that they're basically two sides of the same coin. Both men who've rejected their fathers as, you know, Gabriel is this disillusioned priest. The father is a little more allegorical. And then he'll have need of Gabriel soon. And then he vanishes and the speaker from the beginning of the issue says it's time to rejoice because the prodigal son has returned. Like, I will say this. The comic is actually really interesting. I don't feel like it's super friendly to someone who doesn't know the character. Like, I have Bear. I have a passing familiarity with the character, and I was confused. But I feel like there was actually a pretty solid story for the most part, except for the very end with, like, the whole explanation about what's going on. Yeah. I will say, Bear's artwork is actually really cool. It's, like, this neat, scratchy style that fits the overall dark and gloomy vibe of the comic i'm actually very curious about where they went with this afterwards and i'm gonna keep an eye out for it i'm not gonna actively seek it out on ebay or anything but just you know if i come across other issues in the dollar bins i'll pick it up
1: yeah totally totally
0: but yeah like i also (laughs) i genuinely like the cover gimmick i think it's really clever i'm a little bummed that the thermographic ink doesn't change but i do think it's actually It's kind of funny seeing as how, you know, it's like the Hellfire hero and, you know, it's supposed to be all that. parchment
1: paper. That's what's getting me. The the parchment paper. It's so funny. It's not going to have any longevity. Come on. Oh,
0: it's so funny. It still looks really good, though.
1: Well, yours. I mean, I just mean like in normal, like mortal children's hands. Oh, yeah.
0: No, exactly. And then the other thing is, you know, we were talking with Dan about Terror Inc. and (laughs) And he was talking about how they were doing all these gimmicks and Terror didn't get one. I want to know why Tara didn't get one because they were willing to do this shit for books like this where it was like, you know, man,
1: it would have been so cool to have like an action figure where you could change out parts (sighs) or like something, something cool. Or like, you know, it'd be really cool if you had like fold downs where like different parts of him were different, like, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah folding down this they should have hired me when i was a baby
0: i mean i like here's the thing it's like they were doing this with all sorts of just random comics like you know i posted on twitter and we went viral for us where i showed Force Works one which comes with a fold-out pop-up cover and i'm like nobody gave a shit about this book like nobody like and the other thing is that nobody ever figured out how to make it pop up because it was glued down in such a way that you were afraid of damaging the book. My copy, I didn't, I don't care about it. I've got like four copies of this thing floating from like the different boxes that I've gone through. Yeah, totally. But I mean like, yeah, like I ended up damaging the cover a little bit for this fold out bullshit, but like, I don't care. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, anyway. Yeah. So that is our episode for tonight. The nineties were the wild west for comics and I love finding all of this weird shit, especially in the dollar bins, because they were trying to make everything a collectible. And when everything is a collectible, nothing is a collectible. Exactly. So, stuff like this now routinely is in dollar bins when you go digging through them. And it's great. Like it is so much fun to find and just roll your eyes. They were using such just ridiculous gimmicks to try to shovel out so many books that were not good. This one wasn't bad. Like but then right, you've got right. Stormwatch or
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, we do.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we will be back next week with another deep dive. No idea what that's going to be because we are recording these totally out of order and uh, we'll see where we go from there. And then after that, we will have another dollar bin discovery. So until then stay safe out there and we will see you in the stacks. Thanks for listening to Tencent Takes. Accessibility is important to us, so text transcriptions of each of our published episodes can be found on our website.
1: This episode was hosted by Jessica Fraser and Mike Thompson, written by Mike Thompson, and edited by Jessica Fraser. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jared Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits and transition music is Pursuit of Life by Evan MacDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium Beat. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who's at LookMomDraws.com.
0: If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to TencentTakes.com or shoot an email to TencentTakes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter for now. The official podcast account is TencentTakes, all one word. Jessica is Jessica Witha, and Jessica is spelled with a K. And Mike is VanSau, V-A-N-S-A-U. You can also find us on Instagram, Mastodon, Facebook, TikTok, and Blue Sky. A full list of our socials will be listed in the show notes.
1: If you'd like to support us, be sure to download, rate, and review wherever you listen.
0: Stay safe out there.
1: And support your local comic shop.